Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Decoding the Unknown. As always, I'm your host, Simon. What happens here is one of my writers, in this case, Katie. Thank you, Katie. He's written me a script. Did the aliens start the Battle of Los Angeles? I thought the Battle of Los Angeles was like an action movie. Battle LA, something like that, with aliens or some such. It's like, when everything's set in Los Angeles, whenever I see a TV show, I'm like, oh yeah, it's because it's where they're all made and it's cheaper. Although it wasn't Breaking Bad. I wasn't the story that Breaking Bad was originally supposed to be set in Los Angeles and then they had to set it in like New Mexico for some like legal reason or something. Or was it like tax incentives or something like that? And so it like changed the whole vibe of the show because now it's just like... uh you know, the desert and all of this, like, super New Mexico-y stuff. Like, I knew nothing about New Mexico until seeing Breaking Bad. And now I'm like, yeah, 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 desert. <laughs> anyway, let's jump into it. I love episodes like this. Katie does, not me. I've never read this before. That's the format of the show. You read a brief overview of the story, you're like, okay, fine. And then you delve a little bit deeper into the conspiracy side, and you're like, mm, okay, whatever. And then you come across some more information, and you're like what? <laughs> this story encompasses unidentified flying objects, wartime paranoia, and government cover-ups. Thanks to Discord user Excelsius for the suggestion. And just to make it clear, we're not talking about the Rage Against the Machine album here, although God knows sometimes the sentiments overlap. Now let's get into it. Okay. Is it really not a movie? I thought there was a movie about this with like aliens coming out of the sky and stuff. The Battle of Los Angeles. So, type of obscene setting. And because it's the home of Hollywood and it's the 1940s, I feel like some kind of old-timey, rapid-fire newscaster style is appropriate here. Okay, I could do that. Los Angeles, 1942. Citizens were thrown into a panic in the early hours of February the 25th when rumors of a Japanese aerial attack started to circulate. Blackout orders were issued and the artillery brigade fired over a thousand anti-aircraft shells into the skies. No enemy shots were fired and the public can rest assured that the US is fully prepared to repel any sort of invasion of our nation and sea. <laughs> Was that a good newscaster? I feel like, for some reason in the past, they sounded all like super nasally. Los Angeles, 1942! <laughs> okay, that's why I imagine a news report might go in the aftermath of the event, but let's fill in the gaps, shall we? This apparent air raid happens only shortly after the US had officially entered the Second World War in December of 1941. After the Japanese launched their surprise attack on Pearl Harbor and their submarines successfully attacked numerous merchant ships in the Pacific, anti-Japanese sentiment was massively high and there was a huge nervousness about some sort of attack on mainland America. Just a day before the Battle of Los Angeles started, Imperial Japanese Navy submarine I-17 attacked an area of Elwood Oilfield in the Santa Barbara Channel, unsuccessfully aiming for fuel tanks. The attack didn't end up producing a lot of damage, but did have a huge effect on the psyche of the American public and military, with hundreds of people fleeing from the coast in case a full-scale attack was about to happen, and creating further impetus for the internment of people of Japanese descent, which had started a couple of weeks before. I feel like I'm in some alternate history thing. I'd not, I, I didn't realize that a Japanese submarine actually attacked America. Jeez. Or maybe it wasn't that no, maybe no one was killed. Maybe that's what I'm remembering. In fact, this firing of a few shells marked the first naval bombardment of the United States by a foreign power since 1814. So it was little wonder that everyone suddenly got a bit nervous. That was on February 23rd. At 7.18pm on February the 24th, 1942, the alert was suddenly given by naval intelligence that coastal California should brace itself for a potential attack by Japan. Imagine the panic would ensue. At 10.23pm, the alert was lifted and people could carry on with, with whatever else they were doing. The end of life, as they knew it, was thankfully averted. 
Artillery batteries may remained on high alert, however. It reminds me of that time that it was a few years ago, right? People just chilling in Hawaii and then it's like, take cover, missile incoming was texted to everyone's phones by accident. Like, no, this is a drill, nothing like that. Just like, you're all fucked. <laughs> Oh, what a crazy story. At 2 a.m. on the 25th of February, activity some 120 miles off the coast of Los Angeles was picked up by radar, with the military immediately issuing blackout notices. This was promptly ignored, however, because the sirens woke everyone up, so they all turned on their lights and went out into the streets to see what all the fuss was about. Anti-aircraft units assembled, and at 3.07 a.m., after having been permission to fire on site, the anti-aircraft guns in Santa Monica and then Los Angeles started blasting the hell out of the sky. Eyewitness accounts of what was seen that night varied greatly. According to an article on the Museum of San Francisco City website, in any case, the next three hours produced some of the most imaginative reporting of the war. Swarms of planes, or sometimes balloons of all possible sizes, numbering from one to several hundred, traveling at altitudes that range from a few thousand feet to more than 20,000 feet, and flying at speeds which were said to have varied from very slow to over 200 miles per hour, were observed to parade across the skies. The quote ends. Not much consensus there, then. Whatever was up there, the artillery fire lasted for about an hour, and over 1,400 anti-aircraft rounds were fired. At about 4.14 a.m., the all-clear was given. None of the supposed enemy aircraft had fired any shots or dropped any bombs, but there were at least five deaths associated with the battle, three in car crashes caused by the panic, and two stress-related heart attacks. When the sun finally rose on the morning of the 25th, there were no downed enemy aircraft to be found, only damage caused by shrapnel of the U.S. guns. Later on that same day, Secretary of the Navy Frank Knox held a press conference to say the entire incident had been a false alarm and put it down to war nerves. A plausible explanation, maybe, but was it the truth? Secretary of War Henry Stimson backed up the Army version that between one and five planes had been in the L.A. skies that night and might have been either domestic commercial aircraft taken over by enemy forces or else they were Japanese planes launched from submarines. So, what had been in the sky over LA? Also note here that the Battle of Los Angeles, also known as the Great Los Angeles Air Raid, is actually a sarcastic moniker as the event was very one-sided with no apparent enemy engagements. For once, it's not Americans trying to big up themselves. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, it just seems like they were pounding the there were There were no bombs being dropped, there was nothing. <laughs> These anti-aircraft guns were just pounding lights in the sky for like an hour being like, shoot them stars down! Okay, so we've got a mysterious, unspecified number of things in the sky that worried the military enough that they spent an hour and a lot of ammunition trying to blast them down. So, what's our angle here? Well, let's go. The UFO conspiracy. Oh no, it's one of these. Simon, I'm really sorry, but it's a pretty good story. Okay. I, as I always say, I'm still waiting for the episode where I'm like, pretty unexplainable. I think that could be a UFO. Has I mean, uh, an alien UFO, not like a UFO. As I always have to specify, UFO is just an unidentified flying object. Secret military planes, planes with like transponders off that no one can recognize, this kind of thing. That's what a UFO is. Do I think it's aliens? So far, no. <laughs> this would be a very different show if there was one episode where it's like, yep, now nah, I'm convinced there are aliens. I'm still, still waiting. On February the 26th, the day after the battle, the Los Angeles Times ran a front-page story with the headline, Searchlights and Anti-Aircraft Guns Comb Sky During Alarm, featuring a very striking picture. At least eight huge searchlights are coming together in the sky, highlighting an object that looks very much like our old friend, the Flying Saucer. 
At the same time, Army Chief of Staff George Marshall contacted President Franklin D. Roosevelt with a bombshell report saying that they believe the mystery aircraft are in all probability of interplanetary origin. Oh my God, George Marshall, did you smoke some crack that morning? Army Chief of Staff. He's like, it's aliens, President! (laughs) What? (laughs) Dude, what? You're like on the inside. You're going to be like, bloody Air Force dudes the navy testing some planes it seems that the u.s government then covertly instigate investigated this angle with traces of extraterrestrial crafts being recovered from the la and san bernardino areas oh this is like not really what happened though is it a memo from roosevelt on the 27th of february to marshall states in part quote i have considered the disposition of the material in possession of the army that may be of great significance toward the development of a super weapon of war i disagree with the argument that such information should be shared with our ally the soviet union consultation with dr bush and other scientists on the issue of finding practical uses for the atomic secrets learned from study of celestial devices precludes any further discussion and i therefore authorize dr bush to proceed with the project without further delay this information is vital to the nation's superiority and must remain within the confines of state secrets. Okay, so these things didn't actually happen, right? Because President Roosevelt isn't, like, writing in here. He's like, yeah, yeah, we learned about atomic bombs from aliens. Right? This isn't real, right? Like, what does he say? Celestial devices? Oh, well, that could just mean devices from the sky. A few days later, on the 5th of March, 1942, Marshall sent a memo back to Roosevelt headed Interplanetary Phenomena Unit. This document is quite old and has a big blotchy scuff down the middle of it, which makes it hard to read, but it says in part, Regarding the air raid over Los Angeles, it was learned by Army G-2 that Rear Admiral Anderson recovered an unidentified airplane off the coast of California with no bearing on conventional explanation. Now, if you're wondering why you've never heard of this before, it's because it's a cover-up, you fool. You weren't supposed to know about it. These documents and a trove of other treasures came to light in 1987 and gave some background on a secret group known as Majestic 12, which had come together in 1947 under President Harry Truman, who succeeded Roosevelt. Majestic 12 was basically involved with all things alien. These have got to be made-up documents, right? These are just some fake shit that someone's put together. Have we not discounted these already? Surely it's not that hard when you actually, like, make an effort. Just before we continue with today's episode, let me give a huge shout out to today's fantastic sponsor, HelloFresh. Look, whatever you're up to this year, maybe you made a resolution, eat better, stress less. Well, HelloFresh will help you do all of that. You could say hello to your most delicious year yet with fresh ingredients and chef-crafted recipes at the price that you'll love delivered right to your door. Each HelloFresh box is packed with farm fresh ingredients and everything arrives pre-portioned right to your doorstep for less hassle and less wasted food. It's fantastic. Like why, you know, you, you it's like a recipe calls for them. It's like, oh yeah, half a gram of saffron. And you're like, oh, for God's sake. And then you go to the store and you're like, well, they only sell it by 10 grams and it's enormously expensive. And you're like, this is just rubbish, isn't it? And then you've got saffron in the cupboard that you're never going to use again. None of that nonsense with HelloFresh. Look, they say, that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and HelloFresh agrees. In fact, they're giving all subscribers free breakfast for life. How's that even work? That means you'll enjoy a totally free breakfast item with every single HelloFresh delivery. That's amazing. What are these breakfast items? I'm so hungry. <laughs> it's almost lunchtime, and I want a breakfast item, HelloFresh. Look, HelloFresh will save you time. It'll make sure you're eating well. It'll make sure you're eating delicious. Everything is just better with HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash decodingfree and use code decodingfree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash decodingfree with the code decodingfree. HelloFresh. 
America's number one meal kit. And now back to today's episode. Majestic 12 Documents The Majestic 12 Documents were originally leaked in 1984 when someone dropped off a roll of 35mm film through the ufologist Jamie Sundara's door. Together with fellow UFO researcher Bill Moore, they developed the film and found it contained photos of document pages, including the memos that we just mentioned. Perhaps the biggest smoking gun was the eyes-only Eisenhower briefing document from November 1952. Eisenhower succeeded Truman, by the way. I have to say, just point out here, that taking pictures of documents, like if you fake documents and then take a 35mm like old photo, of them that's going to make it a lot harder for them to verify those documents because if you had like the actual page right of a roosevelt memo a scientist would be able to look at that paper and look at the paper being used in the white house at the time from like the archives or whatever and be like no it doesn't match but because it's a photo it's much this is a clever way of making it less detectable in my opinion the report explained the existence of the program to the president and also named the members of the team. It explains to the president that Operation Majestic 12 is a top-secret research and development slash intelligence operation responsible directly and only to the president of the United States. Operations of the project are carried out under control of the Majestic 12, Magic 12 group, which was established by Special Classified Executive Order of President Truman on the 24th of September 1947 upon recommendation by Dr. Vannevar Bush and Secretary James Forrestal. The quote ends. It then goes on to name 12 members of the group, which included such luminaries as theoretical astrophysicist Donald Menzel, biophysicist Detlev Bronk, and director of the CIA, amongst other things, Hoyt Vandenberg. The document then gives details about the Roswell incident of 1947, including the facts that an extraterrestrial wreck with four dead aliens inside had indeed been recovered by the US, and the term extraterrestrial biological entities, or EBEs, was coined. None of this is real. This is definitely not real. If this was real, it would be a much bigger deal, and I would have heard of it. It also references another brush with aliens in 1950, and details how disinformation was given out to the public and press. It ends with... Implications for the national security are of continuing importance in that the motives and ultimate intentions of these visitors remain completely unknown. In addition, a significant upsurge in the surveillance activity of these craft beginning in May and continuing through the autumn of this year has caused considerable concern that new developments may be imminent. It is for these reasons, as well as the obvious international and technological considerations and the ultimate need to avoid a public panic at all costs, that the Majestic 12 group remains of the unanimous opinion that imposition of the strictest security precautions should continue without interruption into the new administration. At some time, Contingency Plan MJ194904P-78 Top Secret Eyes Only should be held in continued readiness should the need to make a public announcement present itself. This feels so wordy and stuff that it's either actually a government document or it's kind of it, it more feels like this is what someone thinks a government document reads like because it just feels like unnecessarily like blah 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 security blah 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 secrets there are pages of memos and reports detailing what majestic 12 was up to but shandera and moore didn't blow this thing wide open they just kept it between themselves and a few close friends while rumblings of the existence of the documents filtered through the ufology community it wasn't until a few years later in 1987 that timothy good a British author, and yes, another UFO nut, also anonymously received his own set of documents. Apparently not being someone to keep these things on the down low, he promptly published a book the same year, detailing the secret documents called Above Top Secret, The Worldwide UFO Cover-Up. So, now the documents, and the idea the governments were deliberately covering up evidence of extraterrestrials hit the mainstream, 
You would have thought this would be good news for the conspiracy-minded UFO crowd, finally proof that they'd been right all along. But no. It turned into a Shandera cohort versus a Timothy Good cohort, with the authenticity of the documents becoming collateral damage. I know we've strayed away from the original Battle of Los Angeles here, so let's remind ourselves how we got here. Yes, <laughs> I was just reading the story and I totally forgot what this has got to do with that. In amongst all the latter documents talking about Roswell detailing cover-up missions and memos flying back and forth between the highest echelons of the US government, Secret Service, and military, the two earliest dated documents were about the events of the 25th of February 1952, aka the Battle of Los Angeles. It seems that this event kick-started what eventually became the Majestic 12 Group when it was found that we, or rather the US government, could use alien technology for our, or rather their, own ends. Decoding the Conspiracy Whoops, spoiler alert, but I mean, hey, you know what this channel is. It's decoding time. Let's hike this beef back around to the original subject matter before we go completely off the rails, though. The Battle of Los Angeles. It was quite a mysterious event in its own terrestrial right, never mind chucking some poor little green men into the mix. Witness reports varied wildly over what had or hadn't been seen. Hundreds and hundreds of rounds of big-ass anti-aircraft ammo was used up and different branches of the military publicly contradicted each other over what had been in the sky that night. So, what had started the air raid sirens a-wailing and led all those Angelinos to turn on their lights and rush out into the streets in the middle of the night in the exact opposite action you're supposed to take during a blackout air raid? Yeah, but they don't know. If this was happening in London, everyone would be like, turn off the lights and get to the shelter! And in Los Angeles, they're like, they don't have a, there's not been bombs, they're just like, ooh, what's going on? <laughs> If it was a real air raid, I guess they'd quickly learn to not do that. Initially, everyone thought the Japanese were attacking, but that's one thing we can definitively rule out. After the war ended, Japan confirmed they'd never flown planes over LA, and why would they bother lying about that? If it wasn't an overseas enemy, could it have been an overplanetary one? The photo from the Los Angeles Times does kind of look like your common or garden variety flying saucer trapped in the piercing glare of multiple anti-aircraft searchlights. However, on later investigation of the original negative of the picture, it was established that it had definitely been retouched for its front-page debut, with the contrast between light and dark having been increased. Yeah, I mean, the photos looks unrealistically clear. And why, you might ask, when something resembling an alien craft is splashed across the news, did that whole angle not get more press at the time? Was it this whole cover-up thing that the Majestic 12 perpetrated? Well, I suppose Majestic 12 was involved, but not in the way that you might think. Really? I don't think the Majestic 12 is real, is it? <laughs> The whole reason aliens weren't a big thing following the Battle of Los Angeles is that nobody thought of it at the time. Sure, the photo looks vaguely like there might have been a shape caught in the searchlights, but the headline wasn't alien ship seen over LA or even UFO buzzes terrified Angelinos. No reference was made to any type of aircraft at all, in fact, as there wasn't yet a definitive explanation for what had happened. The whole offshoot conspiracy theory only came after the publication of the Majestic 12 documents some 40 years after the event. So, were they the real thing? Actual proof of secret government programs that tested alien technology? Studied extraterrestrial bodies and sowed seeds of disinformation over the media and the general public? Well, no. Sorry, folks, but it seems that the Majestic 12 documents may have been one big disinformation project all of their own. What do you get when you leak supposedly classified documents about UFOs and aliens to an alien enthusiast? Well, you'd usually get a lot of attention from the rest of the conspiracy network and at least some attention from the media, either positive or negative. Well, what if nothing really happens, so you leak it to another alien enthusiast instead? Now you get more than enough attention from conspiracy theorists and the public at large, generating belief, disbelief, arguments, 
counter-arguments, derision, and infighting. Instead of trying to examine and corroborate the two sets of documents they received, James Shandera and Timothy Good tried to denounce each other's documents as fakes, which didn't help either cause. No, but it did help the cause of the rational man, because they're, pr- dis- they're, they're, they're working against their own interests and towards the interests of people who don't think it's aliens, because it's not aliens. As Brian Dunning from Skeptoid puts it, oh, Brian, whenever you're involved in an episode, I like it. I mean, he's obviously not involved. <laughs> but I like his quotes, because he's they're always savage. He always just puts this shit down so hard. When infighting among adversarial bamboozlers does all the work revealing each other's hoaxes, it makes the legitimate investigator's job so much easier. Well said, Brian. While on the face of it, the copies of the documents look quite authentic, it's super easy to fake age and wear and tear on paper. Remember having to dunk a, pa- dunk a piece of paper in some cold tea or whatever to create an old-looking parchment at school? It's pretty easy to fake, and they never had the original documents anyway, just photos of them. If you investigate further into the documents, other little hints show up. There are a few typos which I saw, but apparently this adds authenticity rather than detracts, but what do I know? I'm just someone who can spell. There's also apparently one memo where it's clear that Truman's signature was just stuck on pre-photocopying, but I wasn't able to find that particular example myself. Another memo, supposedly written by President Eisenhower's assistant Robert Cutler, couldn't have been written by him as he was found to be out of the country at the time. And yet, another hint that these classified papers might not be totally kosher is that they exist to be looked at in the public domain at all. Most were labeled with things like top secret and eyes only, so surely anyone caught disseminating them would be swiftly scooped up and uh, given a stern talking to. (laughs) That's what happens when you leak top secret documents. (laughs) You've been a very naughty boy. Ask Edward Snowden about that. The FBI was alerted to the Majestic 12 documents, and their response was pretty hilarious. A search for the documents on vault.fbi.gov brings up a sample of 24 pages, most of which have the words bogus scrawled across them in large black letters. So, what was the point of them? Well, there are a couple of theories, none of which can be 100% substantiated, I might add but let's look at them anyway. Theory one is that these documents were indeed a hoax, but only to bring attention to the actual real cover-up of extraterrestrial activity and to encourage the real people involved to come forward now that the cat was out of the bag. Yo, you're going to have to get a lot of details that you're guessing at exactly right for them to be like, yeah, 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 I guess they know about it now. Might as well come forward. And still, like, they wouldn't because you're like under secrecy or whatever it's top secret like if someone leaks that top secret document it doesn't suddenly mean that it's not top secret anymore and you can't get in trouble for talking about it surely well that didn't happen and i don't think this theory really holds much water yeah me neither katie it's it's silly theory two is that there was a disinformation campaign perpetrated by the air force office of special investigations to get ufo enthusiasts all hot and bothered about what they considered their righteous crusade against the government while simultaneously keeping real-life secret military aircraft under wraps. In the decades after the Second World War, conspiracy theorists were really getting bees in their bonnets about things such as the Roswell cover-up, leading many people to stake out and take covert photographs around military bases. Brian Dunning states, During the early days of the Cold War, the Air Force became concerned that such UFO groups might conceivably collect actual sensitive information about classified Air Force capabilities. It stood to reason that Soviet spies whom were no dummies, might reasonably attempt to infiltrate such groups. It was perfectly plausible that the UFO groups on stakeout formed a pipeline of classified information to Soviet spies. And so in an ironic twist, the UFO groups who intended to support national security by revealing what they thought was an alien threat actually became the national security threat themselves. Oh my god, that's so clever. Spies are clever. (laughs) So, 
Discrediting the ufologists was the name of the game. If people said they were looking for an alien aircraft and not top-secret military planes, spies from other countries might not take their information seriously and maybe wouldn't bother investigating further. The US government cynically used people in quite diabolical games to, yes, cover up information, although it wasn't actually related to extraterrestrials. As Brian Dunning puts it at the end of his piece, The Secret History of the Majestic Twelve, they were classified disinformation false documents created to play a role in real national security. They were designed and written for specific marks who did with them exactly what they were meant to. They took advantage of well-meaning patriots and wanted enhanced national security, and who, by being easy to fool, ended up providing exactly that. It's kind of sad, really. But let's get back to the Battle of Los Angeles again. Since the mentions of it in the Majestic 12 documents, questions about alien UFOs have plagued any subsequent news about the event. Yeah, despite it not really being a thing until, what was it, 40 years later? Every year, the Fort MacArthur Museum in San Pedro near LA has an event called the Great LA Air Raid of 1942. At the 75th anniversary in 2017, Stephen Nelson, the director of the museum, gave his opinion on the whole alien angle. He's not a believer. He was writing a book about the battle at the time, and when asked about his dealings with the UFO crowd, he said, the general gist is that I'm part of the conspiracy. You think that I and these soldiers, they're all going to keep that secret? It defies logic. But whatever. <laughs> Good attitude, man. Like, yeah, this is the thing. People will be like, oh, Simon, yeah, you're just saying that because you're in the Illuminati. And it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Exactly, Stephen. It defies logic, but whatever. So, let's get on with decloding the bloody thing, shall we? What was going on in the Battle of Los Angeles? We've established that it was not a horde of attacking Japanese planes. It was not an alien spacecraft. So what did scare the living daylights out of LA that night? Again, there are a few ideas, but the most probable is that it was just a weather balloon. Ah, uh, that old chestnut. Because the city was on high alert following the wimpy but effective attack from the Japanese sub on the coast of California, searchlights and spotters might have picked up a reflection from the balloon or just not realized what it was in the panic of the moment. Scientists be really upset. I just launched that bloody weather balloon. That was half my annual budget. Shooting that shit down. Tensions were running high and seeing something unfamiliar near a large populous area with a military largely staffed with volunteer units who weren't used to this kind of thing. Well, it's easy to see how once the fire at will command had been given, well, things quickly ballooned. All the planes the people reported seeing were later put down to smoke clouds and trails from the artillery or just people's imaginations running wild. If you don't think that's very convincing, I was once at a train station and turned around to see a pigeon flying straight at my face. I screamed and crouched down, only to just stand back up and realize that it was a cloud of smoke from someone's cigarette just hanging there in the air. <laughs> oh god, that would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? <laughs> You'd be like, ah! Nothing. Sorry, I just don't like smoking. <laughs> it's okay. Kind of embarrassing, but I saw something in the air, I knew there were pigeons at the station, and my mind filled in the rest. Even more embarrassing was that former English rugby player Jeremy Guscott was there, and I'd already made a fool of myself by asking if he was Jeremy Guscott. He was kind of testy. <laughs> I just love this little personal aside. My friend Katrina and I then saw an unattended briefcase, which we were sure was his, but decided that there was no way Jeremy Guscott would bomb a train station. We didn't think he might have accidentally left it there. Our minds just went straight to bombs. <laughs> what is going on? Then the pigeon thing happened, so it was an event for wait for a train all round. Yes. Originally, <laughs> what was that day for you, Katie? Originally, Secretary of War Henry Stimson had backed up the Army's report of several planes in the air, but later backpedaled and admitted that it had probably been an illusion from the smoke. The UFO, caught in the spotlights in the photo, was just smoke in the air. 
Multiple eyewitnesses had also reported a large balloon shape at the time, so it seems likely that for a nation on edge, it didn't take much to set it off. The whole event was kind of jeered at shortly after the facts became known, i.e. the military had spent an hour and hundreds of rounds of ammo shooting at nothing. <laughs> it also led to larger questions. Three days after the so-called battle, the New York Times asked, if the batteries were firing on nothing at all, as Secretary Knox implies, it is a sign of expensive incompetence and jitters. If the batteries were firing on real planes, some of them as low as 9,000 feet, as Secretary Stimson declares, why were they completely ineffective? Why did no American planes go up and engage them, or even to identify them? What would have happened if this had been a real air raid? The answer to all those questions is that the US was woefully unprepared for any sort of aerial assault. Conclusion So finally, we know what happened. It wasn't aliens. It wasn't invaders. It was probably a meteorological balloon and smoke. <laughs> the Battle of Los Angeles, or the Great LA Air Raid, was not a battle or an air raid, but thanks to some hoax classified documents, we know that the government did go on to cover up a lot of activity. It just wasn't alien. Really, the Majestic 12 hoax was the whole reason this alien story got attached to the Battle of Los Angeles in the first place. And all those memos to and from various presidents that we read about earlier, I guess they were all, as the FBI likes to put it, bogus. So to answer the question that is in the title of the episode, did aliens start the Battle of Los Angeles? Well, it defies logic. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, leave a review, leave a rating on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe. And I'll see you next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.